0: Drunk Dietitians is co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. These dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Their mission is for all humans to believe that they were made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. They are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although these ladies are medical professionals, they are human too. They are not afraid to share their deepest, darkest secrets and how years of their lives were taken by diet culture. They started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join Sammy and Jenna for a casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Welcome back to another episode. Today's episode, we have the first two-timer. So she was already on our podcast before. We have Miss Brianna Campos, who is body image with Brie on Instagram. She is a body image coach and Jenna and I refer every single client that we have to her. And I have a lot of clients. I'm sure you're the same Jenna where you're, they're working with you and they're working with Brie. And, um, what I love about this conversation is we've always talked about body image with Brie. That's great. Her handle. <laughs> um, but in addition to that, um, she shares her intuitive eating journey today, which she's like never, never before shared. Which we're super excited about that. And then we go deep into her her story with bariatric surgery.
1: And this is something that has been a long time coming because Sam and I have gotten question after question about this topic from providers, in addition to clients and just listeners and. It was something that we didn't feel comfortable talking about because we didn't have personal experience tied to it. And so um, Bree shared most of her story on the Food Psych podcast with Christy Harrison that we both recommend that you listen to as well in addition to this episode for even more details on it. But it's just, there's so much that we don't know about this surgery and having her share her personal story with it was a gift. Um, and there's just so much that goes into it. In addition to the fact that Brie has a an incredible business right now that offers so much support for people that have had the surgery or people who are in need of working on their body image. And what she talks about today as well is that, you know, dietitians and maybe this was when we weren't recording, but we're not trained in body image discussion. If this is a mental health counselor's arena and she specializes in it and we can help, but she's the boss and she really asserts herself as the boss in this episode. And I love her even more for it. So anything else you want to add?
0: (laughs) I just want people to get on in. This is an amazing episode. So definitely bring out a journal, the notes in your phone, um, and enjoy.
1: And if you're not already following us on Instagram at drunk dietitians, for now, um, make sure to like and share and follow along because we have some exciting news coming sooner than later. Welcome back, everybody. We have a guest today that needs no int- introduction. I almost said interruption. <laughs> <laughs> Need no introduction, because we probably drop your name, Brie, more than our own, um, because we are that obsessed with you and the work that you do, and this is also an inaugural episode because you are the first guest to come back twice, um, and we are so thrilled. We are, have so many questions that guests have or listeners have asked us, and we... Sam and I have kind of recapped and said, we need to get Bri back here because she's the expert. And I'm so thrilled. Without further ado, everyone, we have Ms. Brianna Campos. I'm like using my hands like everyone can see me because she deserves that much excitement. And we have a whole lot of excitement to go over today. You guys already know her this or that answers if you've listened from the beginning, but we have a, um, a surprise. Can you just tell us if anything has changed?
2: Well first of all I love the two of you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It's like a it's like a party in the morning. Um, but yes, I <laughs> have some news to report that I and this is why you should never be adamant about anything. <laughs> Nothing. I have I have switched teams. I have switched teams. I'm no longer a smooth peanut butter kind of gal.
1: Making my day already. <laughs> And let me just tell
2: you a little bit about, like, the, the, uh, the transformation of that, the,
0: the genesis explain. of
2: that. So there was one day I really – I wanted peanut butter. Like, I knew that was what I wanted. But when I took a bite of my sandwich, I was like, I kind of want something crunchy. So I put, I put pretzels on the sandwich, and I was like, oh, it's, like, crunchy peanut butter. And then I thought of Jenna, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so about, like, a smaller thing, I was like, this isn't going to go over well. And then as soon as I had it, I was like –
1: Dang
0: it! <laughs> I re- I literally remember it was a few weeks ago. You like kept tagging us and being like, and asking your followers, like, "Oh guys, what I do was, you I think?" So happy. Because I was like, Why like, I is was, this like, getting brought up again?
2: I was like, and this is. I mean, I think this is the beauty of intuitive eating. Wait, I still like smooth peanut butter, but like when I'm in the mood for something crunchy, that that crunchy peanut butter just does it. It just does it, man. It's
0: so good.
1: I feel like, that's like the perfect intro to one of the topics we just wanted to talk about today because you, the ability to have that conversation of what do I want to eat is a huge piece of the journey. Um, but before we get into that, the only question that's new is pumpkin spice or peppermint mocha?
2: Okay, see, and I was about to do it again 100% pumpkin spice. Okay.
0: We, we, I feel like we We agree agree with that. that. Yeah. Okay.
2: But like, I was like, ugh, peppermint mocha. But I'm like, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever really given it a chance now that I intuitively eat. Right. Whereas like before it would be like, well, if, if I'm going to, I'm going to make sure it's something that I like, which is mocha. But now I'm like, Maybe I should try peppermint mocha. but definitely pumpkin spice for sure. I
1: like, feel like yeah. a fraud because I was like so pumpkin spice, but now it's all pumpkin or uh, peppermint milk is all I can think about. So TBD. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> everybody, this
2: year twenty twenty, everybody is just ringing in Christmas so fast. And usually I'm like, no, keep falling. Like, no, you could bring the Christmas joy. It's okay. Yep.
0: yep this weekend, <laughs> you best believe. Tomorrow, I'm like blasting Carrie Underwood's new Christmas CD and just like running around my house like an elf. That's like all I want to
1: do. I want pictures.
0: Yes. <laughs> I will do video. But like, just like Jenna was saying, and I'm going to share that off air, you said this to us and I'm actually so happy that you did because I think when you're uh, a an expert in something, right? Like you are, I feel like the Mecca of body image on like Instagram. That's what I think of you as. So we don't even think to ask questions about intuitive eating because we're like, here's the body image guru doing her thing. But you said like, no one asked me about my intuitive eating journey. And then you said verbatim intuitive eating transformed my body image journey. So if you could share with us, Brie, you can take 30 seconds or 30 minutes like share with us your experience with intuitive eating and what, what that's been like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and I think, yeah, it makes sense. And you, you are both so edifying. I just I can't stop smiling.
0: Thank you so much
2: for all your <gasps> kind of words and your love. I just, I love When people
1: faces. watch this actual video, they're going to see our faces too. It's like in a permanent smile. So that feeling's <laughs> mutual. So much <laughs> love. So yeah. So, so for me, I, I, and I, I think I probably need to
2: back up a little bit. I've been on a body image journey my whole life. Right. And so I I don't remember if I shared this on on the podcast the first time, but I first started to think about my relationship with my body when I was in therapy and I, my therapist said to me, you know, how, how would you like describe health? And at the time I said something along the lines of, of like, I want to not feel out of control with food and I want to exercise daily and I want to eat fruits and vegetables. And she said, Oh, so you're healthy then. And I was like, no, 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 no. I also need to be thin. And she said, okay, so then the number's important to you. I was like, no, the number's not important to me. Right. And this, uh, the, the script that I have repeated over and over and over again of the weight doesn't matter. It's just about health. That then it was like, wait a second. <laughs> you're saying this, but then you're doing this. Like you're saying the weight doesn't matter, but you're also saying I can't get any bigger. Or the body says that I'm in now can't be healthy because health is related to this. And so from then I was on this journey of trying to figure out how to make peace with my body. And I, I got as far as I, I could. And I remember one of the activities that I'll, I'll do with clients is I'll have them create a body image timeline of where you are, where you were and where you want to go. And I remember when I did it, it was 2016, 2017. And I, I thought I had arrived. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, I think I've learned everything about body image that I could possibly know. And I was running body image groups and I was running this work. And we. I always made sure to bring up talking about our relationship with food. And because of my experience with eating disorders, I know how... Uh, and experiences in, as a clinician, right? Because again, my story is part of, uh, that was where the, the genesis began as well of working and eating sort of recovering, being like, huh, I'm telling these girls it's okay to eat mac and cheese, but then I'm not doing it myself. So what's what's the disconnect? And so I say I hit my dieting rock bottom it was 2016 or, nope, 2017. I had just come off the heels of a super restrictive diet and I noticed my relationship with my body change through that diet, where it was I know I'm a before photo, but I still want to love this body, I still want to respect it. But then I I'm loving all of these you know nuances as I'm in this journey of like losing weight and you know whatnot, and then the after of not being able to sustain it uh, long term. And I remember feeling like. There has to be something else. Like this this can't be it. And so then around that time, uh, I had some health things coming up uh, and some digestive issues that I started working with specific people while simultaneously working in eating disorder recovery. And the, you know, I share this all the time. I had at the last day of my job, one of the dietitians there was like, I think you really like this podcast. It was called Food Psych by Christy Harrison. So the first time I, I had learned about Intuitive eating. And I was like, wow. And the concept of health at every size, it was something I believed. Like I knew that I believed it, but I didn't know it had a name. And so I started, and I actually don't know if I've ever shared this. I started Body Image with Brie at the beginning of my intuitive eating journey. So, not that long ago. So, August 2018 is when I made my page. And I started intuitive eating in May of 2018. And because I was like, I feel like I'm seeing all of these people who are already in that food freedom. I couldn't relate to them. I was like, wait, that doesn't seem possible. So I wanted to document this honest experience of intuitively eating and being in this body image journey. And as that unfolded, I never realized or I never took the time to realize how I'm doing this thing with my fingers interlocked, right? Interwoven. My relationship to food correlated to my relationship with my body. (laughs) That was a lot. So I was
0: like, maybe stop. See if there's anything that y'all want to unpack. I love it. She just sips her coffee. Anything you'd like to unpack there? I love it. I love it. Well, I would love to hear from you. So May 2018, it is now, I'm like, wait, what month is it? (laughs) Where are we? Yeah, November Um. 2020. So like, have you worked, if you don't mind sharing with us with your intuitive eating journey, was it working with an intuitive eating counselor? Was it reading the books? Like what is the work looked like for you?
2: Yeah. So again, so I was, I was sharing that I was having some health issues, some digestive issues. So I remember working, I was a little bit before then that I started working with a dietitian and I remember calling her and I, I love her and I'll call her. Her name is Rifki Berman. And uh, she, I, I remember calling her on the phone. I was like, listen, I, I can't diet anymore. I'm so sick of dieting. I just did blank diet and, um, and, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, tell me what to eat and I'll eat it. Like, <laughs> just tell me what to do. And She was like, she said something on the phone that made me want to work with her. It was like, you know, I sort of told her about my story and my struggle. And she was like, I just, I just want to tell you that that sounds so painful. And I'm so sorry that that's been your experience. And I'm like, oh, empathy. I'm going to work with you. (laughs) And so um, one of the books that she had told me to read was um, Body Kindness. By Rebecca Scritchfield. And so in that book is when I first heard about intuitive eating. And I was like, so wait, what is this concept of intuitive eating? Like, let me explain. And so then I was following anybody and everybody who talked about it. I was just like, follow, 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 follow. And then I read the books and then I read health. at Like I just, I went in as soon as I learned about it, I was like, give me all the information. And I felt overwhelmed because then I was like, I just want to talk about it all the time. And I would try to talk to people about it and they'd be like, but what about health? And I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know. Let me go. F- let me go find it out. <laughs> so I was just learning all of this research and simultaneously, Trying to explore my relationship with food. So, for example, um, I remember this one time. So, again, I was documenting my food because of the digestive issues, not for any other reasons. And so, I remember this one day. I, I it was around Halloween, and. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, right. So it was 2018. Um, and we had candy bowls out and I remember just like grabbing a Snickers and eating it and like walking upstairs. And I was like, I'm going to break this down, but I'm so mad that I had to do that. And she was like, how is the Snickers? And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, it says you ate a Snickers. Was, She's was like, did you enjoy it? I was like, no, because I ate it in shame as I'm walking up the stairs because I couldn't figure out why I was eating a Snickers. Like I just ate dinner. And she was like, okay, well, the next time that you are like, Hey, I want this. She's like, I want you to enjoy it. I want you to sit down and actually think I'm making this intention to eat this food. And I want to, I want to enjoy it. I was like, okay. (laughs) And so, so then after that, I remember one of the things, right. Intuitive eating. I was like, I'm going to order Chinese food. And I was so excited. And I was like, I'm going to get exactly what I want. And I'm going to portion out my plate because there's still some disordered stuff happening there. And one of the foods that used to be off limits, I, I just want to make sure this is okay that I'm going into as much detail. Cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool. So one of the foods that used to be off limits in my mind were dumplings. And so I remember I plated like two dumplings blah, 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 on my plate. And then I wanted more and I ended up eating the whole thing. And I remember that first time sitting in that shame of like, what did I just do? And I remember thinking, okay, hold up, right? Like, this is where we have to become, as Evelyn Tripoli says, curious rather than judgmental, right? So let me tap into that curiosity. And I wasn't able to do it because the shame was so strong. So what I did is I was like, all right, let me wait. I'm gonna take a second. And I started to think through my brain, like, why do I feel shameful? And what I realized is as I went through that process of like trying to understand the dialogue, I felt shame for quote unquote binge eating, which is not binge eating. I overate in that moment and I felt shame because the narrative I was telling myself, the story I was telling myself is this is why you are the size that you are. And I said, I reality tested that. I was like, that's, that's not true. One meal does not equate to your body size. And even if that were true, you don't deserve to speak to yourself this way. And so uh, one of the the things I do with with clients is I have them scale on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the worst shame storm you could experience. And so in that moment, I said, okay, it's probably like a six or seven, and once I went through that, like thought process of like, all right, you know, let's, let's reality test this. It dissipated to about a four. So then I said, let's come over here and tap into the curiosity. So I said, why did I do this? And I think the first part was, this was a food that was off limits and I needed to show myself, you have unconditional permission. You have this unconditional permission to eat past your comfort level, right? Um, normal eating. Who, who who talks about that? Uh, I know the author. Um, Ellen Sater, right? Ellen Sater, normal eating. That overeating is a normal part of the eating experience. So again, this curiosity, I, over, I quote unquote overate on this meal. Why and what I realized was I don't think I had eaten enough during the day, so it only makes sense that two things one, this was a food that was preliminarily off limits, and now it's not, so it's like a kid in a candy store of like you can get whatever you want, you can know as much as you want. And so, uh, and then the second piece was I wasn't nourishing my body enough during the day, so of course, I'm hungrier at night. So, right, uh, one of the things I talk about all the time with body image is this litmus test. The next time I order Chinese food. I told myself, listen, you can eat the entire thing of dumplings. If you want to, you can order two, like you can order as much as you want. And I just want to stop there and say that I recognize that as privilege. I have the financial privilege to be able to do that. And I remember getting full and I was like, okay, you can choose to overeat this right now. That is your choice and you're right. And then I tapped into the dialogue of the dialogue was, well, what happens if someone else eats them? And they're gone tomorrow. And I said, "Then we'll order more tomorrow." And I still was like kind of unsure, and then the next day they were still there, and I didn't want them, and I was like, "Oh, <gasps> whoa) <laughs>
0: crazy.
1: (laughs) This is so amazing to me because I'm thinking back to our episode with Victoria Garrick also, where she kind of shares her aha moment of her intuitive eating journey. And for us to hear yours, I think our listeners are going to relate to that so much because it's so common. And it's this experience that is the same, but different for every human. And when somebody has that moment, like Oh, and I use this example all the time now, like Reese's peanut butter cups are available 24, seven, 365. They're currently shaped like pumpkins and about a month they'll be shaped like Christmas trees, but they're still the same candy. Like it's still available. Right. Yes. And so having those moments for people is just so amazing to hear. One and of now- the things that I had to do
2: <laughs> in order to make peace with my relationship with candy is I'm going to show y'all. I have a candy bowl by my desk because I needed to normalize the fact that I can eat candy whenever I want. And that food habituation, I, I, in times past, right, I might've eaten through the whole bowl because it was like, I can't have this. And now I get to choose when I want it and when I have it. And I remember there was this, this diaf- di- um, diagram or something um, by my friend, oh gosh, I'm forgetting her last name, but Rachel, um, she's an intuitive eating dietitian. Heartland. Rachel Goodman. Oh. And yeah. And so on one hand, and I remember working through this with my, with my dietitian on one side, it was like, once chocolate eats like chocolate covered carob, uh, eats fruit, eats a protein shake over or binge eats all the chocolate, right? I like this trajectory. And then on this side, intuitive eating, once chocolate eats chocolate, move on with life. <laughs>
0: And it's so true. It's so
2: true that even the other day I had my brother, uh, he, he made cookies and the first one was so good. And then the second one I was like, Oh, this one's not as good. <laughs> because I, one, I know I can have it whenever I want. It's there. And all I really wanted was just those, those first few bites. But when there isn't permission to do it, the experience is um, diluted that you can't really connect to your body about the food experience that
0: you're having and you can't have that full satisfaction and i think that's what i think it's elise Resch always says like in the when we became intuitive eating counselors she she says like the satisfaction factor is the hook that gets people to intuitive eating because no diet in the world intuitive eating is not a diet but no diet in the world can honestly say that you are satisfied with what you're eating because there's rules, there's restrictions, there's, you know, all these numbers and calculations, but with intuitive eating, you get to have whatever the fuck you want, whenever you want. Exactly. Love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your intuitive eating journey. And I think that's going to be so helpful. And because like we said, you're this, you know, you're the body image guru. And so everyone wants to know the body image stuff, but it just, it humanizes you, right? You're a human yeah. and you eat food and you can have a struggle with food too. Just like Jenna and I have shared our stories, pretty much yeah. every dietitian has trouble eating food or food struggles, you know, at some point. So thank you for sharing that.
2: And I I appreciate, I appreciate you um, asking me these questions. And and I'm, I'm thinking about how we can even just transition into body image. And so again, right, that satiation, that satisfaction is, it requires you to connect to your body. And what I find from my end is that people have lived their life, learning to disconnect from their body because feeling discomfort or feeling Shame was too painful for them. Now, I would also put a caveat on this of if you have body trauma, like we're going to put that in a container and you got to go talk to a therapist about that because that's not something I would want you to unpack on your own. But so for me in 2018, as I was beginning to pay attention to my body for hunger and fullness cues, cues in which I had deemed bad in the past of why am I hungry? Right. Why is, why am, why am I feeling hunger? Um, you know, just continuing to listen to my body, I had never paid attention to anxiety. I did not know that I was as anxious of a person as I was. And like that deeply correlated from my intuitive eating journey because it required me to connect my body. And I remember saying to my therapist at the time, how can I even begin to unpack the shame and discomfort around overeating or feeling shame about my body if I haven't even allowed myself to feel anxiety. And, and I would feel the, the effects of anxiety. Like I, at the end of the day, I'd be like, Oh wow, my jaw's really tight or, you know, like, Oh, I just noticed I was holding my breath for a significant <laughs> amount of time. And, and so that scaling thing, one of the moments I remember, it was after a therapy session, I, I was going to stop at the store and pick up uh, an order I had, I had placed and I couldn't find a parking spot. And on a scale of one to 10, I was at an eight. And I'm like, great, it's, it's a parking spot. Like this This level of anxiety is not warranted right now. Like you are not in danger. And I couldn't access the part of my brain that says, we're okay, we're not in danger. And so that was also when I started taking anxiety medication. And that has, has and normalizing that, of I'm, I'm, I'm taking medication to help the serotonin levels in my brain so that I can connect to my body and I can make decisions not out of fear or not out of a heightened response, but of, let me think about this through logically. Let me think this through.
0: That's huge. And that's such a a huge piece of intuitive eating, right? Is the mental health aspect and being able, like you said, to normalize that. And I would love only because we said this too, before we recorded, I would love to hear from you regarding, you know, you, you shared on Christy Harrison's podcast about your experience with bariatric surgery. Mm-hmm. So how does that fit into this, um, this story?
2: Yeah. So, um, backing up, I, and I think I shared this on, on the podcast with Christy, I was 19 when I had the surgery done. And at the time I was like, I'm an adult. I can make my own choices. And now <laughs> a decade later, I'm like, wow, like I know 19 year olds and that's, it's just so sad. And, and <laughs> here's the other kicker is I remember saying to my doctor, I don't have any overt health issues that would warrant me to have this surgery. So why am I doing it? And the, the answer I was told was for preventative care right? Mm-hmm. Was to prevent future illnesses in the future, which guess what? It didn't do like, because that's not how it works. And so, um, I remember saying all the right things. I remember I knew exactly what to say. Like I'm doing this for health and I, you know, I just, I, you know, I'm committed to this. And I only had one person in my life who was like, okay, well, why don't you do, like, why, why do you have to do something so life-changing? And even now people would be like, oh, the surgery you had done isn't, isn't that life-altering. I don't think we even know about the impacts or the complications that are occurring because of these surgeries. And I, I always say this, and I want to just say it again, um, that if you are someone who's listening, who's already made that decision to have bariatric surgery, I have no judgment for you i I know because I've been there and I love you and you are welcome here you are part of this conversation you're allowed to be here um, and so I, I just wanted to put that in because um, i I remember people f- in my life who who' decided to get surgery and were afraid that I was going to shame them and I'm like it's your body you have the right to body autonomy there's no there's no arguing that is it going to guarantee you what you're hoping that it will. And that's the piece that I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I remember, and I remember this moment vividly where um before I went into surgery, I remember looking at my body naked in the mirror, which was something I I avoided doing. I never did it. And I remember thinking, like, how is this even going to work? Like how 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 is this even going to be successful? And then months after having the surgery and people were complimenting me, you look so great. You look amazing. And every time someone would say that it would make me feel some sort of way of like, why are you looking at my body? Like, why are you paying attention to me? Like, why, why am I getting this attention one? And then two, I don't see it. I don't see it. And therefore I'm like, wow, so much of this is in my mind. And there is no surgery for that. There is no surgery that is going to change the way that I think about my body. And and this is sort of how the the you know the trajectory of body grief came about. Because I remember would look at a picture and I would grieve. I would I would pick apart. I would change this and I would change this and I wish this was this way and this was this way. And then a you know s- small amount of time would go past and I'd look at that picture and I'd be like what was I even looking for? Like, I don't even understand what I saw in that moment. And uh, I, I, again, I can't remember if I shared this last time, but when I had talked to my therapist about body image, she said, I feel like I would, I would diagnose you with depression in the area of body image. You feel, you sound hopeless, not knowing that that's actually a, a diagnosis, body dysmorphia. Of feeling hopeless around a body part. And I also think there's not enough research that's done on that because when you look it up in the DSM, it's very much geared towards non-eating disorder related. But we don't study enough when connected to an eating disorder. And so I remember even while I was actively still dieting and I was starting to work on my own body image stuff, I I used that point of reference from my surgery. That my body changed but my mind didn't Mm. who does that work who does the brain body image work what I realized is no one because literally aside from my therapist anytime I would say I'm doing a diet because I want to I want to be healthy and I want to feel more comfortable in my body the response I got was good for you I'm so proud of you like way to go or when I would diet it was you have so much restraint you have so much self-control Wow 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 you're so great (laughs) <laughs> and my, my, my thoughts around my body image only changed when my body changed. And even still, it was like, it's good, but not enough. It's good, but it's not enough. It's, it's better, but it's not enough. And this is the same thing that I'm seeing in eating disorders. And so while I'm working in eating disorder recovery, and Deborah Gard, uh, who's the, the founder of Health at Every Size, has has said something along the lines of this, right, of what's celebrated in a large body is considered an eating disorder in a smaller body. And so I would, I would see the things that the girls that I was working with were doing in eating disorder recovery and being like, this was what I had to deal with post-bariatric surgery. So why was it okay? Why was it okay for me to do that? But it's considered harmful to their health because they're in a smaller body. And, and when you try to research, like just Google of like, now I feel like there's so much more of like, really, what are the harm, the harms of health? And also going to the doctors, there were all of these experiences that just continued to um, validate the false beliefs, right. Of like Google and, you know, um, people who have repeated things over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell a quick tangent. I had a professor in grad school, who said, he, would, he said the story of like, um, you know, there was a, a, a mom and a daughter who were baking uh, like a, a, a roast and mom would cut off the end of the roast. And the, the daughter said, why do you do that? And she goes, I don't know, that's just the way my mother did it. And so mom asked grandma, grandma, why do you, why do you cut off the end of the roast? She goes, I don't know, that's just the way my mother did it. And so they asked great grandma and great grandma said, I cut off the end of the roast because it wouldn't fit in my pot. And I think that that is so much yeah. of what diet culture is like. Of We are just repeating the things that have been done before us because that is what we know. Mm-hmm. But nobody ever stops to say and think, why are we doing this? Like, what, what are we trying to achieve? And is it working? And so uh, that whole time I was working in eating disorder recovery and was I had this cognitive dis- dissonance and working with my therapist of I don't think that weight loss is the only solution, but I also know I'm uncomfortable with my body. And so I had the surgery in 2010 and I was having complications from the surgery that if I ate too fast, I would get sick. Um, food would get stuck, it would be very uncomfortable. Um, there, there were just so many complications and when I had gone to my doctor in a year, previous years, I'd asked him to remove the band because I had the lap band surgery, he wanted to do another surgery right away. I was like, oh, great, we'll do the next one. And I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm telling you I'm having complications from this surgery, which you told me, you know, five years ago that I needed. And now I'm larger than I was. And he was like, well, you know, the research has come out that, you know, it wasn't the, like, it wasn't, like it did what I'm supposed to do, but now we have more. And I'm like, is this just going to be my whole life of going back and forth with the next surgery, the next surgery? And so... Um, I decided not to go back to him. I was like, I'm just going to go to so many different. And she still tried to convince me to get the next surgery. And even as I'm in this, I'm not even healthy at every size at this point, but I was like, you're not understanding me. If I'm saying, I know that what I'm eating or that I'm not overeating is not directly impacting my body size. This fixes nothing. The only thing this fixes is makes me smaller. And she ended up doing the surgery and removing it. And, and I, I always say like, she I feel like she cursed me. Do you hear my cat? Yeah. I know, I love it.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> we are, I, I don't even
2: know where she is. Uh, <laughs> she, always interrupting. <laughs> um, and so, i forgot heard totally almost my train of thought. <laughs> you said you feel like your doctor cursed you.
1: Yes. Right, it was like on the crux
2: and then my black cat. <laughs> <Yes>. Right. <laughs> she said, I just need you to know <laughs> it's amazing. We
0: don't even know where she is. Shh. That's okay. We like We're the meow It a character. Okay. <laughs> How appropriate.
2: There she is. <laughs> You're going to gain weight if you don't do this. So she she basically told me, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. And in my mind, can I curse? Yeah. I said hi. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. I'm gonna prove you wrong. Now I didn't, I didn't prove her wrong, but I did so much more. Mm. Isn't that I found freedom for myself.
0: I have chills.
1: Mm-hmm. I have so many thoughts and I, the first one, I just want to just call attention to like the concept of body grief and sitting in the suck are things you taught me for sure. I'm sure Sam as well. And I hear them being used on social media now with like tags for you so often. And it just makes my heart explode because like, this is your movement and this is your story. And that's so powerful. Um, but the other thing that I just want to kind of go back to is, you didn't have comorbidities to get this surgery. So I feel like there's so much misinformation about this topic that it's going to cure diabetes or all of these things, but you didn't have any of those things. And so I think when people talk about this surgery as being life-changing, I'm air quoting, I don't feel like they have the whole story. (laughs) Um, And it's concerning because it is still very... Very widely used to some extent, and very highly promoted, just like dialect coach culture um, and so when that conversation was coming up for you at that time, you know can you just share your motivation for for wanting it or where that even like came from if that's okay yeah, it's funny because i don't know if i've've ever vocalized this out loud um your cat,
0: your cat I'm wants so distracted too. by her, I'm <laughs> so sorry.
2: <laughs> I think it's, it's she's here for comedic relief because it's definitely a, a heavy episode. So um, I think, like most stories, go right. I was I was 16 or 17 when I decided that I wanted the surgery, and there was a lot of things going on in my life that felt like they were out of my control. Um, I know for one, um, I know I shared this on, on Christie's podcast. Uh I don't actually know if I shared what, but so my older brother uh passed away eight years ago from a drug overdose. And before that, I mean he was always struggling in and out of, you know, overlap. Uh, um uh <laughs> if I pick her up, she will stop crying. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, he would overdose and there would be these moments where we don't like, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so there was a lot of fear and anxiety around that. And I know that my family was very concerned for my body size, but I would, I think the like biggest crux of, uh, of why I was motivated to do it happened because of a boy, (laughs) because I felt like no one would be able to love me in the body. That I had, and there, you know, I you know, I doubt that there the person is ever going to listen to this. So, but I want to just respect that you know they were in their journey in in their time of their life. But because I was rejected, the only plausible reason I thought I could be rejected was because of my size. And and it it almost was comforting in a way that. I I was like, well, see, it's, not, it's nothing that I can do that will make this different. It's just because of, of what, like, I can't control. It's just because of my body size. And I, I thought it would be, like, the greatest, like, revenge of, like, I'm going to come back hotter than ever, and then you're going to absolutely want me. And now at 30, I'm just like, oh, God, like – no, if you didn't want me because of my size, then I don't want you to want me. That's not the person I want to be with. But from that age, and, and I, again, I think this was the experiences of my family of, you know, that this fear was put in my brain of like, well, just, we're just worried that you're never going to be able to, to find a fa- like make a, have a family, like that you're like, essentially no one's going to want you if you are this size. I didn't go on my first date until I was 25. And when I started therapy as an adult, and I was talking about body image, we started because I was talking about dating. Because I was like, I want to, you know, I need to feel more confident in myself. So I'm on this, you know, dieting journey because I want to, you know, be healthier and more confident in myself. So we started with dating and somehow ended up talking about body image.
0: Thank, thank you, you so much yeah, for sharing, for, asking. for being vulnerable, for sharing about your brother. So sorry for that thank loss. Thank you. And thank
2: you so much.
0: It's funny that Jenna asked that question because I have a bunch of stars and <laughs> things on this paper, <laughs> but I literally, I wrote down, be- and I, it's funny because this is because of you Brie that, and I don't know if I, you kind of said you maybe have never shared that part before that it may have been tied to a boy, but so many of your posts stick out to me that you post about because, and I, I don't have it in front of me specifically, but how you'll post like when you say you want weight loss, what you actually want, right? Love, acceptance, like feeling worthy. And so that's where I have all these stars on here is like, other than the doctors trying to convince you air quotes that it was for health, right? Which we know us three know in the health at every size paradigm is just fucking bullshit, that that internal motivation was like exactly exact like you said, like if I do this, I will be loved. If I do this, I will be accepted. If I do this, I will be worthy. But then you realized on the other side that no matter how your body changed, that that mental part, like there was no surgery for that. And only you could, could, could work on that. Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There, there is a, a quote that, um, that Brene Brown mm-hmm. talks about, and it's the difference between belonging and, and fitting in. Mm-hmm. And um, she, she says this, belonging is an innate human desire to be part of something larger than us because this yearning is so primal. We often acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. I always thought that if someone loved me, if a boy loved me, that then I was going to feel the confidence in myself to love myself. And what I can tell you now, what I would tell 16-year-old Brie now is that when you learn to love yourself, not in spite of your flaws, not in spite of the things that you wish were different, but that when you can love yourself, when you can accept all you are, the byproduct is love. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And therefore, when someone else loves you, it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill that it just confirms yeah i am i am loved but that the the absence of that doesn't mean that you aren't loved it's okay you don't love me and that hurts and i can grieve that and i can sit in that suck but at the same time i still love me and i can still treat myself with a loving kindness
1: so for people who are listening and are not as far along in their recovery journey as you are because you speak and I'm like oh like you are the mecca of this right like this is what you do but we've had quite a few people reach out with questions about the post bariatric surgery complications and emotions and things you know what kind of support would you say is available for people who are struggling with what to do after this decision after the surgery that they had all these expectations for maybe it didn't work out as planned quote unquote per their doctor um what is you know and now they feel like a failure right like this is the diet culture trap altogether but with that said you know what kind of support would you recommend for these people looking for the next step of just the acceptance and yeah. everything else.
2: Yeah. So I'm actually going to ask, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> and
2: I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to leave space that it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, but I'm wondering, right. When I shared about my brother and the death that my family experienced, what, what experience did you all have? Like what's gone through your brain as I shared that grief with you?
1: Sadness. What
0: about you, Sammy? I would say grief. Like, Mm. yeah. It made me think of my friend who I lost. I just instantly tied it to loss and grieving. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What I find is when we can reach that inner part of ourselves, and we see it in someone else, we instantly feel connected to them. And so I think that my body grievers group is designed purposely for that because I don't want anyone to feel alone. And then if you're a provider listening to that, I know that when I used to, when people used to tell me, like someone has has passed away, the thought that would go through my head is, oh shit, What do, what do I say? How do I how do I sit in the sack with you? And you don't need to fix it. You don't need to, you don't need to just make it better because there is no, uh, unless you can bring my brother back, right? There's nothing you can do that's going to make it any better, but you can show up for people and show them, I love you and your pain is not too big for me. And that is the piece missing from body image work. Yeah. because we want to get to the reframe we want to get to the you know but you're you're more than your body like if somebody doesn't love you then they don't they they don't deserve you that was never intended to be the healing bomb that people are seeking the healing bomb is the you're right this sucks and then that reframe comes naturally because changing your body it's like changing it's like getting a haircut like you know of like oh I need a change I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get a haircut okay it's a small change <laughs> but it's not a transformation and that we bypass the grief to try to get straight to the joy but the joy is in the grief it is in the mess it is in the muck and I remember when I went through this journey by myself, with my therapist, I felt so alone. I said, I wish, I wish there was a body image group that I could just hear somebody else say me too. And so I became the person I needed when I was going through that journey. I became the body image coach that I wish I had at that time. And if you want to go real deep, right? Uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, she, is the creator of the stages of grief. And she's, she's since passed away, but the team that she's worked with has actually, they're doing research to try and find a way to add in another stage of grief, which is finding meaning and purpose. My body grievers group is my purpose. Like, I believe that I have gone through all I've gone through and it is not it is not um, a solace of like, well, if I'm going to suffer, I might as well help people. It is because I have suffered, I can help people suffer less. So that is sort of the genesis of my, my body grievers group. And I, I, I also have a lower level offer of a bundle, which is a 45 minute audio that if you're like this is all so new to me and I've never heard of body grief and I you know have never talked about it before I would start there um and then again if if that's not affordable to you start with my podcast my podcast is <laughs> slow launching but I have five episodes on there to just begin conversation around body image because that's how we begin to
0: heal.
1: First of all, you're amazing. And I think everybody listening, if you can't feel the passion, watch the video of this because you'll see it in her face while she describes this. And there's nothing more incredible than seeing someone find their passion. But I just want to acknowledge, too, that conversations that I have with clients, personally, the word grief and body grief really scares them. Um, and so I just, I want to kind of toss that out there too, that if you're listening and you hear this and you're like, but I'm not ready to grieve my body, I would encourage you to go into breathe lower level option of just hearing more about what that means first, and really understanding how it's putting the the work back into you, and instead of your body. Am I saying that in a way that honors? You're it? saying that right, perfectly. <laughs> but even in that, right? Like if you think
2: about stages of grief, there's that's the denial right. of I don't. I'm not ready for that. That's okay. No matter where you are in the journey, right? It's okay. It's if you're not ready for it, that's fine. That's okay. It's okay to be where you are. But if you are hoping that just by learning intuitive eating and following people on Instagram is going to produce the change that you're hoping to in your mind, I, I will be surprised if it happens because everything is connected to a belief system. Just like for me, right? My belief system was I can't be loved if I'm in a large body which was not what I was acknowledging when I was 16 or 17, like that wasn't, I wasn't coming out right and saying that that took years of therapy to realize, wow, that belief system was so intrinsically rooted in my belief system that then, yeah, of course I was going to, I was going to have this surgery if I thought I could fix this Uh, as opposed to being like, wow, like I really wouldn't want to be with somebody who doesn't love me at my largest size. So yeah, you, you said that perfectly and grace upon grace, my friends, no matter where you are in this journey. And and the other thing too is I, I think a lot of people feel this, like, like they'll look at people and they're like, wow, like I don't think I could ever get where you are. When we stop judging ourselves for not looking like other people, we just find new places to do it. So now it's like, well, no, I'm not as body positive as that person. (laughs) And like, you know, like, Oh, I don't think I'll ever be able to like, you know, show my, my butt on Instagram and all my cellulite. That doesn't mean you're not body positive. Right. (laughs) That just not my, that might. And I, and I said this to my friend, Molly B counseling. I was like in, in, in the beginning of like my Instagram, I was like, you know, I see people who like get on camera and they like jiggle all their body, their body, like, fat and I'm like I don't know if for other people to do that and she said Brie maybe that's not your jiggle and I was like oh, I love a pun but right like <laughs> sh- I, that's not your jiggle that's okay that's
0: okay you'll find your own jiggle I love that that is amazing well, we can't say thank you enough. I want uh, oh, to
1: keep her here all day. Don't I know. end it. I know. Totally. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I would be very surprised if people are not already following you. <laughs> but if they aren't following you, Brie, where is the best place that they can find you?
2: Best place to find me is on Instagram. And if you are the like, person listening to this who doesn't have Instagram, you can always email me, Brie
0: at gmail.com. Perfect. And your Instagram handle is? Bodyimagewithbree.
1: Thank you for being here. Thank you for everything you shared. And just thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Love you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.